0: So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter
1: so we can chat. So moving on, the next thing I would just like to briefly discuss is that in '85, so I believe I know it was after Live Aid, um, Bono and his wife Ali went to Africa, and it's this the story of Bono and Ali in mm-hmm. Africa is um, the name of my Toto cover band Bono and Alley in Africa I like it um, they went kind of on the DL without photo ops or press or anything um, because they actually really wanted to like do something and not just have um, the celebrity photo op and they spent a month there
0: Yeah. And
1: in a like, a place where it was, like, a food place where people, and said he woke up in the morning, there were thousands of people, like, lined up to get food from this place, and some, a good number of them got turned away every day. Yeah, um, yeah so um, it was a feeding center, and they, they uh, lived in a, a, it says it was a wood shelter with a tin roof, yeah um the guy that that arranged their um their visit his name was Steve Reynolds and uh he said this is such a great quote his quote was um when God does eye surgery you never see things the same again and that's what
0: wow
1: I know chills right um, I mean, clearly he's not, Bono's not one to feel things lightly. If he no. feels, uh, we all feel it. And um, there was a man that, before they were leaving, there was a man that frantically went to him and said, can you take my son, please take my son with you when you go? And he was like, as much as I want to do that, you know, I can't do it. And not only that, but that was the rule. Like they had to yeah. sign a copy. Act or something, that they wouldn't take any <laughs> Yeah, like That wasn't what this, it, it was more legal issues for the organization than um, it was worth. And the man said that, um, you know, he, his son was going to die if Bono didn't take yeah. him. And Bono said that he, he left and he doesn't know if that kid um, lived or died, but he lives in him still. So apparently that was a, a really big uh, life altering.
0: I believe. I mean, like, I mean, obviously the his entire rest of his life has been devoted to Africa. Like, this is.
1: And I mean, it. I crazy. guess it goes back to Band Aid actually because, you know, I don't think that Bono was all that interested in Africa. He just felt he couldn't tell Bob Geldof no. Because he's a fellow Irishman. And...
0: Right. And he wants to do good. Oh, oh he... so um, I meant to mention this earlier. So back around the October years, when the band, the band uh, part that was Bono, Edge, and Larry were trying to figure out how to balance their rock and roll life versus their faith life. And, you know, they were being pressured by their religious group to leave the band, but they didn't want to leave the band. And they decided that they they needed to use the band for good. Like, this was, this was their purpose, that rock and roll doesn't have to be all sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and insanity. It can be used for good. And so they knew very early on in their career that that was their direction, and they they found a way to do it. Right. Absolutely. There are some funny stories. Well, if you Google it, you can find, I know there's some very hard to hear clip on YouTube. It's the audio with just some pictures or something of. Uh, Bono and Ali wrote a song about hygiene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like that, that they taught the kids and the people um, they, they did a, they sang a lot of songs that were teaching them about hygiene and Taking care of themselves to help them leave healthier lives. Yeah. They're I mean, very, very cute and poppy.
1: One of the songs was about not eating the seeds today because they need them for the crops later.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Very practical stuff. Very. They're very U-2-y sounding. <laughs> and there was what what did the kids call him? They called him like the because the, yeah. he looked he had hair like a woman.
1: I wrote it down. Do
0: you remember?
1: The girl with the beard.
0: The girl with the beard. <laughs> he had this
1: big beard that it still is it still is a baby beard because it didn't fill in very well. And he had long oh. hair and uh <laughs> an earring and so they called him the, the girl
0: with the beard. beard. Yeah.
1: That's okay, he took it.
0: Exactly. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so after they got back from Africa, is that when then Sun City happened? Little Stephen recruited him for Sun City.
1: Sun City actually was uh, it was a luxury resort in um South Africa and it was during apartheid so A time of um, basically white supremacy. Um, And the UN imposed a cultural boycott of South Africa to condemn apartheid. And then the resort got this idea to um, pay out massive amounts of money to any artist that would um, play there, and they got a lot of people, all the Beach Boys, Cher, Liza Minnelli, Frank Sinatra, Rod Stewart, Elton John, and Queen. Wow. Queen played, like, a, a series of shows there, I believe. And later, they uh, defended themselves by saying that they, w- they didn't, the de- their deal was that they didn't play to, um, they didn't play to a segregated audience. But okay. I don't think that was possible because they, it just wasn't. I mean, it was
0: the, the nature of apartheid was, yeah, segregated so, one way or another,
1: yes. Um, but that was so there was a the awareness campaign was to get artists not to play Sun City,
0: yeah, ain't gonna play Sun City, no. So there was an album with it or with a single there was a song yes that oh uh, I looked up I, I you can't find the you can't find it on iTunes I couldn't find it but I found the video online which is just torturous it is over seven minutes long <laughs> it's I'm like where I'm like Bono's in here somewhere I find it it was at like the 441 mark
1: <laughs> he shows
0: up <laughs> and um uh, it it's it's just he's got like a big line he's very serious
1: yeah, he got the line again he got the yeah big, he got
0: like the big line again um I'm trying to think what it was
1: it's i say that video is like gloriously horrible
0: it is glorious. I mean, it's everyone. It's got the rappers. It's got the pop stars. It's got it. I think it. It's and it's from the eighties. Like we can't be it, judging,
1: it, but, but I mean, <laughs> he really dances in that. Like it's, he does it's, dance with <laughs> his baby beard and um.
0: <laughs> That's at the five thirty mark. <laughs> so um, yeah.
1: um,
0: so and his hair. His hair is perfectly ironed as well. Oh, that's the other thing from we mentioned from Live Aid. This is one of his new quotes nowadays. (laughs) Is it? it, Oh, I don't I'm going to I forget exactly what it is. It's like no self-respecting man should iron his hair before the (laughs) biggest moment of his career.
1: I'll tell you what, though, that outfit he wore. I'd wear that outfit any day of the week.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. I think you do wear it.
1: I kind of do, don't I? That is kind of my style with like the the boots. Yeah, it's very um, it's oddly a tailored look. Yes, but those boots and the pants and the jacket with the puffy shirt, the military jacket, like that's so my style. It has
0: been for a long time.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I would I would totally wear that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So also on the. The album that came out that was Artists Against Apartheid um, as the story goes one one of the songs on the album started with um, uh, an old story that Bono was in New York and he was hanging out with the Jagger and Keith Richards and they were like play us one of your songs and he's like I don't have any songs like he can't play a song without his band like he wasn't he had nothing, and he said he was yeah, so embarrassed that he went back um like he didn't realize that that was lacking, I think in his life, and so he uh went back to his hotel room, this was around about the time a friend of theirs, little Stephen, was putting together the record of artists against Artist a-
0: against apartheid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's written about a man in a shanty town outside of Johannesburg. Outside
0: of Johannesburg. <laughs> a man <laughs> who's looking down the barrel of, white, of South- white South Africa.
1: A man who's lost faith in the peacemakers, peacemakers
0: of-, of the West.
1: While they argue. argue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they fail to support a man like Bishop Tutu.
1: And his request for economic sanctions against, against
0: South Africa. Africa. Am I bugging you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like I've lived my whole life for that
0: I don't mean to bug you no that's... I didn't actually know I knew that <laughs>
1: <laughs> turned out to be uh silver and gold which is featured live on um, on Ronald and Hum which we'll discuss later but uh
0: it he was said like he like he went back to his hotel room and he had his guitar and like some boots like, or is there he had, or he had something on his boots and like that's the clacking noise? Yeah. but on the album, he recorded it with Mech and Keith, or they're credited with it.
1: Yeah, well, on the actual album, um,
0: it's, it's a it's, great version, it's a great version of that song. It's,
1: it's it's so like compared to the version that they play live, it's so stark and
0: yeah, it's fighting raspy, raspy voice. Like, I love it.
1: I love it too. Like I, um, I think if that's your first song you write by yourself, that's a pretty good one. I mean, yeah. I'd I high
0: five if... them for that.
1: Yeah, seriously, it's a really good job. But I love the story, and I love that I, you know, we we could explain it more to you guys in our own words. Yeah, in our own words. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> Not our words.
0: Asterisk, not our words.
1: Okay, so I have I have two quotes about this, which I totally forgot I even had. Um, okay, let's hear them. Okay, so in an interview, and I just I just thought this was so great. An interview, uh, little Stephen, who is part of the E Street band, which we didn't remember. Yes, we didn't mention before. Hashtag Bruce. Bruce. Um. Little Steven was in, doing an interview and he was asked if he thought with Live Aid and We Are The World and Band Aid and Farm Aid if there were too many aid songs. And he was like, are there too many love songs?
0: Oh, I like that.
1: And then, um, so Ben Bono said that somebody, in, in an interview, somebody asked him, why is it always him out front? And he said that Basically because the others wanted a life to live a life and that activism had become his life. Yeah. So um I didn't think I had that much on Sun City.
0: Yeah, you had a good amount of stuff. Well it's so interesting because I could see how in the moment it's just like there's all these songs and like just being in front of them all. But now in hindsight this has been his mission since the beginning. And he found his niche of where to focus on yep. the entire continent of Africa. but
1: yep. And, you know, the rest quite of the
0: world. Big. And the rest
1: of the Yeah, world. but definitely he's taken on Africa on his own there. So. Yeah.
0: And we'll have to do more. I mean, if we're going to, this is like good stuff part one.
1: We've got a big good stuff part two.
0: Yeah. We can just keep and doing it.
1: In a, in a while. um.
0: So after, so I believe Sun City came out December 1985. Uh-huh. So Live Aid's July 85, Sun City's December 85, and then we get to self-aid for Ireland, which is May 86. This is like boom, boom, right. boom, boom. So self-aid, apparently there was a catastrophic level of unemployment in Ireland. And this was a concert to, I mean, they didn't need to raise awareness for this. They needed to raise money to help the jobless. And they needed to raise awareness and to um, really pressure these big companies to open up jobs. Mm -hmm. So this was a concert. It was the Erie Sun Tribune called it Jobs Cash in rock and roll. It was a 14 hour long concert. That was of course. Bob Geldof inspired. Because apparently once you find your thing. You go for it. <laughs> U2 was the big headliner. Big big headliner. Big big headliner. Other big names were Boomtown Rats. With Bob Geldof. Dan Morrison. And Elvis Costello. It was at the Royal Dublin. Showgrounds. Which held. 30,000 people, that was the attendance. Bono admitted that, and he says it even on stage, that he has a hard time identifying with the unemployed, because at this point he was 26, and he had been, been in a band for 10 years. So, but he knew that it was part of his job to help support these people. He said it way more eloquently, and in a much more compassionate way than that, the concert ended up 1,200 jobs were pledged post-concert. So 12, hopefully those 1,200 people had jobs. And it was also on TV. It's like a telethon. And they raised 500,000 pounds. Wow. Um, what that went to, I don't know. <sighs> um, Bono was in his um, brown-fringed coat phase.
1: <laughs> He's a little uh, a little uh, chubby too, a
0: little filled out.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah,
0: we're fine, we're, we're body positive.
1: Yeah,
0: this is purely mentioning. I'm sure his tushy was great. I'm sure <laughs> Edge had entered his um, playing card in the hat phase. <laughs> These are very important things, they didn't last long. The they played Pride Acoustic and then Come On Everybody Eddie Cochran song Sunday Bloody Sunday Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan and Fun So I I need to look up Maggie's Farm because I don't understand the story behind it, whatever. It's a pretty like intense song. Like they sing it really. Apparently it's very pertinent. And I feel bad that I don't understand it. And then Bono thought they were done. That they'd run out of time. And they tell him that they can do one more song. So they do bad. And I it, I think it was, a, it was a really good successful show. And a successful concert. And they're always happy to play home.
1: And that was and that, a really important show. Because, you know... Everything else is foreign, but that's domestic, and obviously yeah. it's closer to And home. it's
0: not Africa. It's home.
1: It's home. Um, it, it's, I think, also important to note that they were recording Joshua Tree when all this went down, and, I mean, they stopped recording. They pushed back actually recording when uh, to play these shows, to play – Self-aid.
0: Yeah. Well, nothing's more important to them than home. This is for sure. As much as they get shit around Dublin and Ireland for being as big as they are, they seem to support one another. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't feel like there's anything about self-aid that's necessarily remarkable about their performance, I mean, other than the fact that it was just a really great performance. I don't think there's, I don't have anything, I feel like I just, that was a small dissertation. <laughs> because then, that was, oh my gosh, so that was May 17, 86, and then June 14, is that right? No, fourteen no. June 4th, I wrote that was actually. June 4, they hopped on the Conspiracy of Hope tour, which was like a little two week tour celebrating the 25th anniversary of Amnesty International. There's a fun story about this that the gentleman from Amnesty. There are two people from Amnesty who were tasked with finding artists for whether it was a show or a series of shows. And they got in touch with, they had a meeting with Paul McGinnis and Bono. And and they said, you've got us. Tell us where and when you've got us. We will do this. And I guess McGinnis got like, I don't know, a scrap piece of paper and whatever, and wrote like a really informal letter because they figured, oh, once we got you two, we'll get, any, we'll get everyone else. And they're like, you need it in writing. People will not believe you right. that it is legit or finalized or on the books if it's not in writing. And even then, they had a hard time. They ended up with, A six shows over a two-week period, starting in San Francisco and then ending with a televised event in Giant Stadium in New Jersey. That
1: was aired on MTV.
0: Yes. It was eight bands with guests coming and going, 36 musicians, 200 tour personnel on one airplane for two weeks.
1: Crazy. Well, maybe
0: all that—that's oh the tour, the two hundred tour personnel I think include the thirty six musicians.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha.
0: I think so. Well, all the, two people were on the same airplane, and they're apparently just like the camaraderie and stories that came out of that.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, the artists that performed, um, and, and it was again not all these artists performed. Every night, but they uh, mm-hmm. included uh, Peter, Paul, Mary, Little Steven, Bob Geldof, um, Jackson Brown, Yoko Ono, Howard Jones, Miles Davis, the Neville Brothers, Joan Baez, Lou Reed, Peter Gabriel, brought, uh, Brian Adams, Joni Mitchell, and the Police
0: the police if sting was on the tour on the two week tour and yeah. i believe there was and he had a jazz band with him and one night in atlanta it was the police
1: right and then um uh, but then so i think that they played the police because they had been broken up they got back together just for these shows right um, it, it was so atlanta And the next show was in Chicago. And then the last show in East Rutherford.
0: Yeah. Um, There's, um, I read a few different things. And in every instance, it mentioned some pillow fight on the airplane.
1: I read that too. Without much
0: detail. So apparently that was something memorable.
1: Yeah, I I read that too. Um, It also, because they were, you know, this was to raise money and awareness. They didn't have a big budget, so they stayed in like hotels, like Hyatt and Ramada and Marriott. Who does that stay at a Hyatt? I'm just saying. <laughs> One time they stayed at a Hyatt in San Antonio, but that's another story.
0: That's a whole another story. That was yeah. a Hyatt like Resort.
1: Yeah. Um. But so after the shows, mean these are past the days of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So afterwards, everybody would just go to the hotel, bar, or lounge, and all these musicians would just sit around and talk and play music and, and to be a fly on the wall. Oh, with,
0: my gosh, right?
1: With that group. Um, and Adam said that, you know, everyone did their part and everybody, you know, they, they went back and forth between you two being the opener or the police or Sting being the opener. Um, but he, Adam said that it's really hard to have an ego when you're dealing with prisoners of conscience as an issue.
0: There were a handful of prisoners of conscience that, which is what Amnesty International deemed people who were being held not because they had done something illegal, but because they were speaking out against injustice. And there were maybe uh, six or so specific people that they were campaigning for that hoped that they would actually be released by the end of this tour. And there was at the end of that giant stadium show, there were a handful of prisoners of conscience that joined them on stage. If any of them were any of those specific people, I'm not sure, but it's pretty crazy how effective it is. I mean, I remember being a young fan and seeing the Amnesty um, address in the back of the liner notes, sure. and I wrote it, and I would get letters from the Amnesty saying, "Here's who you write to, and here's what you say," and I did it every single time.
1: And Greenpeace, I
0: remember in Greenpeace, yeah. and I was writing to these people about. Prisoners, like it was my job.
1: Oh, absolutely, it they were. Did a great job with uh, making us all aware. Um, yeah, I think, and I don't have the figure, but I don't know the membership of Amnesty International after the Conspiracy of Hope tour, like increased by like a thousand times or something. I mean, it's was some- was a huge number.
0: Huge. There is speculation about how effective an awareness campaign like this awareness tour could be. They could obviously raise money through tours and singles, but what would this do? And there, I read a story from Bono about there was sometime in the mid, I want to say it was 75, 76, that he went to a show. With the with the police there, oh my gosh, I I forget, but it was a it was an awareness show for Amnesty, and that's when he jumped on that train. It was. He's the... like, if it worked for me, yeah, how come it won't work for everyone else? And he was right, like he knew.
1: Was it the secret policeman's ball?
0: It was the secret policeman's ball. Yes, I knew the police was. I knew the police were there, and I knew it was in the title.
1: pretty sure that they played there at some point. I, I mean, it was a regular. They had it several. Everybody.
0: Right. But he, the thing I, re- rem- I remember him mentioning, and I'd be like, wait, police. Pl- I had to read it a few times to make sure I was reading that correct, that the police were actually there. But he's like, awareness campaigns work. Right. So he was happy to be on it. I have a quote from Bono. He says, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to hit back at the injustice of the world we live in. That is amnesty re- related. And Sting said it's one thing to reflect the mood of the time. It's a much harder, but it's much harder to change the times. Some little fodder there.
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, at least my memorable um uh, my memorable moment of this obviously um was uh so you two had gone back and forth again with like they'd have a show where they were the headlining act and then sting was and they were and the police and they went back and forth like it was really fair um but so the last show um the police were supposed to close, but they were the headliner but um, at the last minute, they asked for you two to end the show and it was um, like a ceremonial handing over guitars um, and they and you two finished playing with the police's instruments after their set and Bono said it was incredibly generous on their part. That um, Sting was pretty emotional because it was the end of him being in a band.
0: Yeah. I mean, he. Oh, it been- gave me chills.
1: <laughs> and and what they were doing was passing the torch um, to you two. Yeah. Which to me, you know, I mean, they were the biggest band in the world for a really long time. The Police, and they just kind of. Mm. Like, our time is up, it's yours now, uh, which it surely was. But to me, that's just so awesome.
0: Those are but, all of our guys.
1: It's, yeah, it just makes me so happy. But uh, there was a a song that um, Bono came on with the police, and he sang with Sting, Invisible Sun, which is about Northern Ireland. So that was kind of fitting. yeah. I don't know when that was. I don't think it was the last show. I think it was another show. But um but it's just really cool. Like I just like that the camaraderie. I mean
0: Definitely. Yeah. So in I just figured this out as I was doing some research for this app, was it in 2013 they released a CD.
1: Which it's I like listened to five disc C D or
0: something. Which yeah. what?
1: I listened to part of it today. You sent me the link and I never watched it. I mean, I never listened to it, and then I yeah. listened to it today.
0: And it's, it's not. Um, it is not good, and I want to blame some of the recording at the time. And uh-huh. Bono has some like bad is great, but Sunday, Sunday MLK. Was- he's so it starts with MLK into pride, and MLK is like I don't know what he what he's doing these like barely speaking the words and pride was like a screaming version i don't know where it was recorded but this was not
1: screaming version of pride it was like he gave up entirely of having any control over his voice so he just yelled
0: yeah but But then bad sounded pretty good
1: sunday play sunday i thought sounded yeah it's it was a very you know um toned-down version from what they played in the past. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of cool. But in that, you can kind of hear that he has some little bit of a grasp of his voice. But maybe he was just saving it for recording. I don't know, because it just sounded bad. It sounded like he was yelling a lot.
0: Yeah. Then also on the CD, they sing Maggie's Farm, the Bob Dylan song, help the beatles and um sun city where a lot of the band of the sun city participants that are there come out that was a version i watched on youtube so i'm wondering if that is once from the mtv show
1: maybe um from all of this from you know the talking about Band-Aid and talking about Live Aid and and all the way through Conspiracy of Hope, there's just something really... It just makes me feel like, what good guys and what humble guys. I mean, I think that over time, at different times, they maybe lose that just a little bit, but that's okay, too. I mean, you need to... If you're yeah. going to be a rock star, you may as well be a rock star. But, I mean, the way that they you know, the way that Bono and Adam talked about how, um you know, uncomfortable they were when they went to Band-Aid, that it wasn't, uh they weren't in their element, that wasn't who they were. And then even more yeah. so, um I mean, Larry and Adam both said that they were crazy nervous to go on stage in that. And then all the way to Conspiracy of Hope, and now they're like, you know, the these are their
0: people. Yeah,
1: and it's it's just an amazing, in just that small amount of time. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, obviously, Live Aid gave them a boost, but they also needed a boost, yes. you know, um, because I mean, you know, they had matured from boy, but now it's like really being responsible grown ups kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and these are big. Commitments. Like I remember the the reading the guy who you know booked you two, and they were trying to get more people to play on this tour. These are active work. They're rich rock stars, but they're working musicians, and they're I'm on tour, or I'm recording, or my band's unavailable at this time. Like there were so many people that just couldn't physically do it because of other commitments, and. You two made it happen because it was important to them. They also, I guess when they landed in New York or when they were in New Jersey for the MTV show, there was an anti (laughs) apartheid that's a lot of (laughs) syllables, (laughs) rally in New York (laughs) that went on, was going on all day and they felt like they should make an appearance and they did and it's possible like no one even knew they were there.
1: Well, that's cool but,
0: but they showed up yeah. it was in Central Park or something like that if I remember correctly so I mean they're doing it's yeah when they find something they're committed to they stick to it this is for sure
1: so what is the uh, what is the question you would ask Bono over whiskey and cake
0: oh gosh you know, I think about this when we're doing the album apps. But this one I hadn't gone through. So I'll just I'll just throw something out there. I would ask him if he would do that if he could like rewrite how those awareness and fundraisers happened knowing what he knows now. About budgets and governments. And this and this and that. If there would be a more effective way. To raise more money. Or more awareness.
1: That's a really good question.
0: But through the music. And through the concerts. I mean obviously he's doing so much commercially. And through legislation. And this and that now. But. um, Was like how effective. Was this or what would he add on to or change to make these events more effective?
1: That's really deep and a good question. Do you like to hear my question?
0: I want to hear your question.
1: I would ask Bono over Cake and Whiskey if he would go see my Toto cover band. If I call it Bono and Ali in Africa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He sure as hell better show up.
1: (laughs) I mean, we don't have a singer either, so... it's okay
0: because a... the Garden Tarts don't have a drummer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's, we're all guitar players, right?
0: I think so. <laughs> play singers the... or something. We're all oh. guitar players. Yeah. So. That's another app we're going to do. We're going to get Garden Tard Amanda on the horn and we're going to do an origin story. Hey there, listeners.
1: Good stuff, baby.
0: Are you going to break into the b fifty (laughs) two?
1: But it is a a shout-out to that wonderful album, hashtag good stuff.
0: Awesome.
1: YouTube's done a lot of good stuff.
0: They have done a lot of good stuff. And they started doing so much good stuff in the 80s that we thought it would be good to take a break. A small pause from our album chats and cover some of this stuff
1: yeah it's a lot to cover in the course of like two and a half years
0: I know it is but we're going to try and and, um fly through it should we say hi to some of our new people
1: please let's do that
0: I tried to make kind of a a best of not best of because everyone is best I tried to make a diverse list and this is some of them we can say hello to Alberta, Canada,
1: Yay. our new friend in
0: Sri Lanka. Oh, my gosh. It's legit. I've actually chatted with him on Twitter. It's a real person. <laughs> <laughs> Amsterdam, Manchester, England, and more of England. Um, back in the States, we've got some more cities in California, Anaheim, Reseda, Philadelphia, the entire state of Minnesota. Huh. It's actually just one city. I didn't write it down, and there's a good handful of Northeast Ohio cities, which is where I live. And I don't know who these people are, which <laughs> is pretty exciting to me. <laughs> who are you, Cleveland area people? And what are your
1: what are your license plates?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, there. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see. You would have seen that in my local grocery store, I see it all the time now. It's a U2 war license plate. And where they park, it's actually more behind an apartment building slash businesses, like the bottom floor is businesses and the second floor is apartments. So it's someone back there.
1: You should leave a note on their car.
0: I will next time. Who are you? I actually thought about it last time, but I had nothing to write on.
1: Oh, when we have our business cards, just put one of those under the
0: I will for sure.
1: She Wiper.
0: <laughs> I totally will. I got it. We're coming for you, YouTube war. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um second most important thing, what are you drinking tonight?
1: I am drinking um the Jameson Castmates stout edition with some sour mix and ginger ale in oh. my my Even, U2 cup.
0: Oh, look at that U2 cup.
1: My U2 tumbler.
0: Where did you get that?
1: got it in Connecticut.
0: At the U2 store?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what my dad says.
1: I'll okay.
0: be like, wh- like where did you get that radio? He says, at the radio store.
1: Right? I, yeah. I say everything. My boss asked once, where do you think you'd get those big checks? <laughs> <laughs> the big checks store. Big checks.com. <laughs> okay, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> I was being a smart ass, but there is bigchecks.com. I'm sure there is sort <laughs> of sweepstakes checks. That is hilarious. Well, I they, it just so happened that I was in um Connecticut and there was a U2 show there, wow. and cups, but I think I paid like 20 bucks because I had to pay for the cocktail and the
0: oh, nice, I had a cocktail in it.
1: But it was worth it. Yeah. And then found one on the floor, so I took that one too.
0: Oh, sweet. Not even matching set.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I have a new to me, Jameson. I went to go buy more of the stout edition. Or I thought I would try not buy Jameson this time. But that seems to be harder than I thought. And this is um it's new to me. It's called the Black Barrel. I should have bought the bottle in because the tagline was great. It's like Charred for a smooth taste, or <laughs> something like that. It's amazing, there it's no joke. So, cheers! I don't
1: really need a tagline, it's just Jameson.
0: It's just Jameson, <laughs> but now there's so many Jamesons. I know. So, my friend here in the Cleveland area who is from Ireland, her sister's coming to visit, and she's trying to bring me a bottle of the Jameson cold brew. Oh my but- god. Apparently it's only available in Dublin and she lives on the west coast and is flying out of Shannon. Yeah, so she's gonna look at duty free and see if they can find it.
1: I have a friend that just got back, but I didn't realize he was there until he got back.
0: Yeah.
1: He probably so that's
0: wouldn't. she's like emailing info at jameson.com <laughs> to try and find it for me. What a good friend that I didn't ask her to do that. <laughs> We
1: should have her on the podcast. Maybe she can interview us if, if Bono's not available.
0: Oh, that's an idea.
1: She's got the accent, right?
0: If Bono and Oprah aren't available? oh,
1: uh, if Bono and Oprah aren't available, then...
0: We'll, we'll go for someone with an Irish accent.
1: Or anyone. <laughs> She'd be happy
0: to. She'd be on the <laughs> floor laughing at us the whole time. I think
1: anyone that would uh, be patient enough with us. We're going to do that. We're going to do an up that an uh, interview of us. By someone else. Yes. Someday.
0: Someday. Maybe we'll have a few of them. Huh? Maybe we can do a few. Yeah. Different yeah. styles of guests. That'd yeah. be fun.
1: A lot of, uh, but we all have guests and instead of asking them questions, they can ask us questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's find out what kind of, um, do good good stuff the band was doing.
1: Lots of good stuff. Um, yeah. So during the course of this uh, podcast, we're going we're gonna to be talking about um, Band-Aid, Live Aid, Artists Against Apartheid, and Self-Aid with some other little bits in there.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so much stuff.
1: But it covers uh, November 25th, 84 through June 15th, eighty six. Which really, okay. when you think of it, isn't really that long. And in the middle of all of that, and this is a really thing that we have to keep in mind, in the middle of all that, they were touring and recording the Joshua Tree.
0: So much.
1: Yeah. So, I can't
0: even imagine.
1: I'm overwhelmed putting the information together. I can't imagine living through that. I know.
0: I feel like we're going to have to, like, this is like Cliff Notes. Yeah. For sure. So-
1: I needed my own uh, fact checker. <laughs>
0: that would have been good. Yeah. But we'll do but our best. People yeah. will fact check us. Please tell us if we're wrong. But be nice. Just be like, we- oh, just um, so you know. Here's the correct information. And we'll be like duly noted. Yeah, we won't make that mistake wrong. again.
1: I'm pretty what sure we need to be wrong. What we're- I'm pretty sure we know what we're talking about with most of this stuff. But, I mean, we could have some facts wrong. Please yeah, nicely.
0: Can I start with um, a, a quote from Pete Townsend? Yes. And I think this is actually more around like the amnesty, conspiracy of hope, but I think it just sets the tone for everything. He says, I wouldn't like to see you two burn out because they take too much of the world's problems on their shoulders. They're very compassionate. I think what Bono has to realize pretty soon is that no one man can do it all. Hmm. Which we could probably say, um, maybe he can. <laughs> that's uh,
1: that's really interesting,
0: isn't it? I found that that was a quote from Rolling Stone, and I um, that's just heavy. and maybe he is not saving the world by himself, but he sure has built one hell of a team. Yeah, to do it. Okay, so what do we start with first?
1: Um, let's go in chronological order, and okay. that, is, that means we start with Band-Aid. Okay. Um, I have some fun facts before we get into... Um, well, I guess everything we're doing is a fun fact, but it was yeah. reported on uh, November 25th, 1984. Um, the bbc had uh, covered um the famine in africa pretty uh in ethiopia pretty extensively and it it sat with bob geldof he he watched it on the bbc he watched the news reports um and he uh obviously that moved him um but
0: And people who don't know, Bob Geldof, singer of the Irish band Boomtown Rats. Yes.
1: Yes. Ethiopia from uh, 1983 to 1985 had a famine. And it was a combination of a civil war and a record low rainfall. And the government just mismanaged... um, all their money, 46% of the Ethiopian gross national product went to military spending while the country starved. Um, mm. The UN estimates that one there were 1 million deaths. Wow. Yeah, from that famine. And I, I, I remember that being on the news. Um, but ironically, the choice for this song is... Christmas song and um, at the time Ethiopia had a communist government and they didn't celebrate religious festivals and even if they did three quarters of the population doesn't celebrate Christmas anyway but whatever works.
0: Well it's a good selling point but the whole the whole tagline of the song is do they know it's Christmas time at all?
1: They probably don't (laughs) because it's
0: because it was like illegal,
1: but if we you know if you sell it,
0: okay, it's selling records.
1: They, the Ethiopians, unfortunately, were' not the ones buying the record, so you can to to go to your fan um, base. Um, but that's a uh, Yeah, so the recording studio gave them 24 hours to record and mix the album.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, 24 hours um, to get all of those people. It took, uh, they recorded the audio from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m.
0: Do you know how many people were on the recording by chance? Um, it's okay if not, I'm just curious. It's a lot. If you haven't heard this, it's every major celebrity at the time, including Bono and Adam.
1: Yeah, um, it's, uh, I mean, I'll tell you some of the people... Um, or I'll just say, participating members were from some of these bands: um, Cool in the Gang, Status Quo, uh, Boomtown Rats, obviously, uh, Banana Rama, Spandau Ballet, Culture Club, Paul Young, Paul Weller, Jody Watley, Niger, and uh, that's all I got.
0: Okay,
1: so, and. Adam. And Adam. Yeah. Um, so I read in YouTube by you 2 which is great and very, very uh humbling of I think Bono and Adam, but apparently Bob Geldof called Bono to see if they would participate and their schedules were really tight. And so basically the band said no and Bono said yeah. Um but Bono didn't want to go by himself so Adam said because uh, you know he didn't want Bono to feel bad and being alone he tagged along. Oh. Um, and you know when you think about it and this goes for the Live Aid as well but these were huge pop stars and Bono was just a little pitcher at the time like he didn't Yeah and so he's yeah. he
0: this said pre j- way pre Joshua tree.
1: Way pretty. And so he said that when he got there, people just stared at him because he didn't look like a pop star. He felt out of place, and no one made any effort to make him feel otherwise but Simon Labar. Bono said he had grace.
0: Aww.
1: Yeah. So Bono looked at the lyrics when he got there, and he said, well, the best lyric is, uh, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. And he was like, that's the best lyric and it's biting and it's you know a prime example of a rock star and he was like but i'll never sing that line
0: like, <laughs> right
1: that's like i i know that is the least likely line i will sing and bob Geldof walked up to him and told him to sing that line and bono was like i'm not singing that line and uh bob said that the song was about helping people not about bono oh so And then Bono's reply was, no, really, it was about Bob, but Bono sang (laughs) it. Yeah, Bono sang it, and he said in his head he was impersonating Springsteen.
0: Fair. Yeah. Fair. Fair play, Bono.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I love this song. I have very fond memories of being a child and uh, hearing this song on the radio, and I still get as excited. Um, now hearing it as I did then I especially get happy when I hear Sting sing his own name
0: <laughs> yeah
1: your sting of tears and I'm like <laughs> man that's the best I hope that that wasn't an accident
0: oh um, I hope I don't think anything like that could be a coincidence
1: <laughs> is that um David Bowie was supposed to sing um and uh he couldn't make it, so Paul Young got his uh, got David Bowie's line. That would be a totally different song. Um, I mean, I think Paul Young does a great job, like amazing job. But yeah. it, it would have given it a totally different context if uh, um, David Bowie had sang it. The other thing, fun fact, is that um, Boy George was supposed to be there, but never woke up. And he was in. He ended up being there, but he never woke up. And Bob Geldof had to call him <laughs> on the phone in New York, get <gasps> him to get on the Concord so he could be there.
0: Oh my um, gosh!
1: He got there at six p.m. and they recorded until eleven.
0: That is crazy. So crazy. That is a fun fact.
1: It's a really, really fun fact. But um, the Cultural Club were in the middle of a tour and. Literally, Bob Geldof, it says, woke him up by phone to have him flown over from New York on the Concord. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) That is crazy town.
1: So, so crazy. Um, So, Band-Aid was the fastest-selling single of all time in the UK at the time. Uh, It sold a million copies in its first week alone. It was not... It was not overtaken until Elton John's version of Candle in the Wind for Princess Diana in uh, 97. um, Wow. Which makes a lot of sense. It ended up, Band-Aid raised 8 million pounds. They thought it was going to raise 70,000 pounds. Okay. Gosh. That was really... um, That was really, really... Impressive.
0: Um so impressive.
1: Yeah.
0: And then from Band-Aid, Live Aid was born. Yes. Right. They um, wanted uh, to do more. That what? That they wanted to do more is yeah. that
1: um it was so what I read was that it kind of stemmed from like a culture club show where they had a lot in London, they had a lot of the performers from Band Aid get on the stage at the end of the show and they all sang the song together and okay. it made Boy George cry. And so, oh. like, hey, um, you know, Bob, we need to do this. We need to have a full, a whole concert. And Bob was like, "Are you planning it?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> so,
0: Bob's like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> oh my gosh! So should we get into Live Aid?
1: Let's let's go into Live Aid.
0: So on July 13th, 1985, Live Aid took place and it was took place simultaneously between Wembley Stadium in London and JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding that this, this was like nothing of the likes of this had ever happened before. Like this was the most amazing fundraising concert. An awareness concert of all time. Um, It was. I mean more people than you can imagine. Anyone that was big was playing it. Um, But we are of course talking about U2. Yes. So U2 played. This was a huge deal for them. They were just coming off. Unforgettable Fire. And. I mean they were playing with the likes of like. Queen. The biggest band in the world. And u 2s like.
1: Totally out of their
0: element. Totally out of their element. And, and just another one of the big bands. Like they weren't, I think they were happy to participate. Right. They had, if I understand correctly, so they have a a, a certain a lot amount of time they were supposed to play Sunday Bloody Sunday, Bad, and then Pride, which was their big Men, hit.
1: They had 15 minutes.
0: 15 minutes to play their yeah. three songs. And Pride I was see. like... This was it. Like this was their big clinching, big single moment. They got through Sunday Bloody Sunday, and then bad took a detour. I think it was like twelve minutes long, or something.
1: I think it was
0: something like that.
1: And, and hey, uh,
0: go ahead. You want to tell what what happened during bad?
1: <laughs> Bob, Bob go up. back.
0: You have Bob, something else.
1: That was that. Uh, no one. Could leave the stage and no extra people could go on the stage. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bono totally didn't, uh, abide by that. There was, um, I hope I get the story right. They he saw a girl that he thought was getting like smushed. Um, that's part of the story, but he mm-hmm. said he was looking for a TV moment and not thinking about the context of everything that needed to happen on stage. So he tried to get the girl to come up from the barricade and ended up not waiting around for that and jumping, they said, 10 feet.
0: It was huge. Like this stage was, like he went down one level, which was easily a few feet. And then he's trying to like coax this girl over the barrier from the general admission. And he was kind of like, fuck it. I'm just getting down there. Yep. And it is a it is a full story, <laughs> like <laughs> this was no joke, and you know, which means there's also no easy way back up. I just watched it the other day, and I think three girls end up coming over
1: yeah yep, um, but that was you know the big no no, and he spent so long he also it had to be. In addition to leaving the stage, he added every single song in the world into bad. He snipped every song. like on Every even, song. Every Satellite of Love and, uh, I don't know, Sweet J maybe. No, Walk on the Wild Side. Walk on
0: the Wild Side.
1: Uh, I don't know. Oh
0: my gosh, there was something else at the end before Walk on the Wild Side. Um, I can't think what it is. I should have had it written down. But yeah, and it's like he realizes he needs to get back going. So he gets back up to the mic and proceeds to insert like three more songs. <laughs> it's like, I think it's time to wrap it up now.
1: Right. So they <laughs> had three songs and they had two songs and they didn't get to play their single. And um, they, there was a, quite the hoopla about that. The van was very angry with
0: Bono. And Bono Um, like went into hiding. Yeah, he
1: was (laughs) a little
0: personal hiding.
1: Edge said um when Bono jumped off the stage, the rest of the band couldn't see him and they checked And Edge said it it crossed his mind that maybe Bono just left. (laughs) 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 They were all so nervous. Like this was not this is not the norm. That's not the norm for anybody. Right. Um, But he said that um, they panicked because he said he was just gone. They couldn't see where he was. They couldn't see what was happening. Um, and, uh, yeah, and B, Bono said he, uh, he was just looking for a TV moment and forgot about uh, mm. Pride. So uh, the band was pissed off with him. He was depressed because he thought he fucked up their set, like, really depressed.
0: Um, Right. Like he ruined, they ruined every, he ruined everything.
1: Everything. Like that was it. They were, that was their, um, that was their career. And so uh, go ahead. Do you have more?
0: No, I just that, I guess he, he emerged from hiding for a few days to learn that it was the biggest moment in the entire event. And they were like topping the charts (laughs) and everyone was talking about it.
1: Yeah. All of their albums went back on the charts. Um, Paul McGinnis apparently called him, their manager at the time called Bono and said um, that people had said that, um, that Bono and Freddie Mercury had stolen the show. And Bono said, uh, he thought they were all mad because the band was crap. Um, (laughs) Paul McGinnis says, uh, "After that day, nothing was ever the same again because everybody knew who Vana was." Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I love, love, love that performance. I do not believe it was the best performance of the day. I can't. I mean, I think that that Queen performance was. Uh, I think it was voted by Rolling Stone as the best live rock performance in the history of the world oh, please, and I yeah I agree with that that I they that was just amazing it was amazing that that you two were not all that popular and they had so many fans with signs like you see those signs um when everyone's yeah. playing and uh you can see it when, if you watch Bohemian Rhapsody you can see well you can see the band going on stage passing Queen but you can also see the U2 signs in the crowd, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a very good movie. If you haven't
0: seen it, you should check it out. Yeah, for sure. It's true. Oh. Like, I mean, that's, I think it's one of those moments It's make make or break, and it just depends how people start talking about it. Yeah. Like, if a few people start praising it, it just spirals.
1: Okay, the songs that Bono snipped into bad were Satellite of Love, Ruby Tuesday, Sympathy for... Sympathy for the Devil and Walk on the Wild Side. Okay. They were, um, Paul Young went on before them and Dire Straits, poor Dire Straits, went on after them. So Dire Straits was between you two and Queen. <laughs> 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 Still did it. I mean, I, Dire Straits was amazing that day. They yeah. had seeing hashtag, sting. Do right. the, I want my MTV? These are the. Some of the bands that performed with the, that day, which you have to, again, they were just, live aid, yeah, yeah, they were just these young kids, and they played um, with the uh, on the same billing as um, Elvis Costello, Sting, um, Dire Straits, Queen. David Bowie, The Who, Elton John, Paul McCartney. I mean, this is a yeah. crazy lineup. Um, in uh, Philadelphia was uh, Black Sabbath, Ron DMC, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, Beach Boys, Simple Minds, Pretenders.
0: Oh my, God. I mean, anyone who's anyone.
1: Yeah, Madonna, Tom Petty, Neil yeah. Young. Um oh and this is just a, a little fun fact that has nothing to do with you two, but um Phil Collins played both London and Philadelphia because he, he left London because he and took, could. <laughs> right? Took the Concord to Philadelphia and so he played both shows, which I always think is kinda cool. I don't know, I'm obsessed with that concert. I yeah. watched in I watched it for real. Um On MTV I think I think I thought it was all live but the only live part that I could have most of the only live part I could have seen was Philadelphia because of the time difference yeah so I saw some of England but I don't think I woke up at you know five in the morning or whatever seven to start watching that but I was a little kid um, and I got the P.O. box number from MTV and my mom Like a check for
0: ten dollars. Oh, nice! Yeah, I have job, Leslie. Way to support. So I think this was a really good, like, little pause before we hit the monster that is the Joshua Tree. Yes,
1: it is. Um, This was way more overwhelming than I expected, though. But um, it's nothing compared to the behemoth that is the Joshua Tree.
0: Which is just the first of the behemoths. And and I mean, it's like the behemoth junior.
1: Yeah, it is. The, uh, and I guess that, you know, every episode probably from here on out should be called Good Stuff because that's the <laughs> continuing theme. Um, the other song on that album is called Hot Pants, and I'm so glad that we called this episode <laughs> Good Stuff good instead, of instead of Hot, Hot
0: Pants. Pants. <laughs> a- we could have called oh. Under a Blood Red Sky Hot Pants.
1: But yeah. I think that there was more specifically, you know, hot pants.
0: Dog's gonna go crazy. Um, but
1: pants. Um, but to give that album a whirl, it's pretty good. Nineteen ninety-two.
0: Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, I haven't listened to that in forever. Well, thanks everyone for listening.
1: Thank you so much. We're very Thank glad you Tell your friends,
0: and sure. oh, we're so glad that you're enjoying this journey with us. This is fun.
1: We're having a lot of fun. So I, I hope you are too.
0: Well, until next time, y'all, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Right. We'll talk to you soon. We'll you'll, listen soon.
1: You'll hear us soon.
0: Yeah. Bye. Bye. Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people. And of course, we love talking to you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts. Or you can even email us at we are the at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube loving friends, as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.